This Week in Startups is brought to you by Captera, the leading free online resource to find the best software solution. Visit captera.com slash twist for free today to find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. Gusto is easy online payroll, benefits, and HR built for modern small businesses. Get three months free when you run your first payroll at gusto.com slash twist. And LinkedIn. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. Upcoming launch events. Apply for the next Launch Accelerator cohort. Applications are due December 23rd. Learn more and apply at launchaccelerator.co. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. On the program today is Brian Chen. He is the CEO and co-founder of Room.com, which makes phone booths. You make phone booths. That's what you do, Brian. That's right. Soundproof phone booths. And most people would look at this and say, is this a technology business? Is this like a great idea for a startup? But you and I were talking because I noticed that you partnered with com.com to make a signature crossover. Uh, Limited edition collaboration. So you made a phone booth with the com logo on it. What, is, what else does it do? It has smoked glass. We're looking at it here. So it's a phone booth. Yeah. So, uh, so first of all, I guess the phone booth ships flat, assembles on site. It's designed to give a little bit of peace and quiet in the open floor plan. Uh, and the Calm collaboration, the design of the booth is inspired by Calm's nature imagery. Uh-huh. The frosted door gives visual yeah. privacy because it would be a little bit weird if you were meditating inside and people yeah. would see you. It, yeah, that could be a little awkward. Um, and then actually it comes bundled with 12 one-year subscriptions oh, how nice. uh, for the Calm Premium app. And it's painted nicely inside with some greenery and it's got some nice wood finishes and it's four grand. Now, these... Um, phone boots, these little, I guess, quiet boots have become actually a very large business. You charge $3,000 for a booth. It Th- comes flat. Well, $34.95. Yeah. $34.95. It comes flat packed. So you kind of build it like Ikea, but built better, I guess. Yeah. And these things have been flying off the shelves. You have done how much revenue? We're on track to do uh, over $30 million this year. All right. And you're making so much money that you were able to buy the domain name room.com? <laughs> That's a million dollar domain. Would you get that for 300? Uh, we, we don't really Ballpark. talk about that. <laughs> well, you're a guest on the program. No, you got to bring a little something here. I mean, I'm talking to you about a goddamn phone yeah, booth. Yeah, Give yeah. me something. What, no, I mean, it, it's, it's six figures or seven? Uh, we're, I mean, we're paying it for over five years. So. Oh, for over five years. Yeah, so it's a million exactly. dollar domain. You pay for it over five years. It's worth it. Why did you choose to do that? Uh, you know, Room, we're, we're trying to build a brand that it becomes known and synonymous with fun, productive, creative work environments. Yeah. So uh, if you know that you want to build something over the long term, then yeah. having that domain is going to be is critical, right? It's critical for credibility, for recognition, uh, and it pays for itself, honestly, when you think about uh, if you're ever doing any offline advertising or if word of mouth is important. Ah. Um, any of these things, it it starts to pay for itself. Makes total sense if you are doing radio advertising or any of those things. Now, people save a lot of money with open floor plans, but the downside is if you need to make a phone call, you have to take up the whole conference room for one phone call 
Absolutely. And so these foam boots have become a thing. Well, the other downside is mental health. Yeah. You know, because in the open floor plan, uh, people are, it's very distracting, it's noisy, you can never find a moment to, to focus. Yeah, but now people do like the, you do, you do do library rules. That's what we have is library rules, which I think is like, you can whisper, but if you can have a longer, full-blown conversation, take it into a conference room or take it outside or whatever. Yeah. That's kind of the ground rules now, right? We had so we had a library room in our office as well. We ended up having to no, no I said library rules. Oh, right, library rules. Yeah. So basically, you just tell your employees like, "Listen, we're gonna have an open floor plan, but it's library rules, which means you you don't just start talking to people randomly when they're reading a book. You let them read the goddamn book, and if you're gonna say something, it's a whisper. And if you're gonna have a conversation, you take it outside. Well, when you have the library rules, then it kind of defeats. I think the original intention of the open floor plan, which was like, because the open floor plan originally was designed to encourage more conversation, more right. interaction, collaboration. Yeah. So when you when you introduce the library rules, it kind of it's defeats actually it a little bit, defeats yeah. the purpose. Yeah. And now people put headphones on, and then I think the new thing is, I told everybody like, if you're in focus mode, they should just put a, you should take a yellow post-it and put it on your monitor like a flag on the top, like right hand side of your monitor. That's the new standard. Okay, everybody, we're going to do this starting with this episode. If you're in an open office plan and you need uh, to focus, just write the word focus on a post-it and put it in the top right-hand corner. Take it down when you're done. I, we've seen some pretty funny products. There was one uh, that was kind of like horse blinders. Yeah, that's great. That's <laughs> where, and that was another way, you know, visual indication that you're supposed to be focusing and gives you that. How long have you been privacy. doing this? Uh, we started in mid-2017. And... You build these in China. You build them in America. How difficult is it to build like one of these little rooms? We actually have two contract manufacturers. One is in Portugal and one is in Indiana. Um, Portugal and Indiana. Now, wait a second. It, most people would think if you're going to build something like this, you'd be going to China. Why are you going to Portugal of all places and Indiana? Uh, so I, I've actually worked with manufacturers in China before. And while the per unit cost might end up being really low or appear to be really low. There are lots of hidden costs, ah. right? There's the cost. Travel becomes non-trivial. There's the psychological. You traveling there. Yeah. Because if you, if you work with a Chinese manufacturer, then you really do need to travel there. Um, to make sure they're doing a quality job. Is yeah. that the reason? Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. And so the travel, not just the, the, uh, the kind of dollar cost becomes expensive, but the um, emotional and kind of like uh, cost to your well being also is, is yeah is people uh, who do this are constantly getting on planes. Yeah, they're, they're doing ten flights a year. And usually, if you if you are manufacturing in China, then you you're going to want uh, a minimum order quantity of like ten thousand units or something. Mm. And that's actually one of the things that locks in makes it really difficult to be capital efficient. Mm. So. Our product is one that where the logistics is a significant cost driver, yeah. um, and so it doesn't really make sense actually for us to have our product sit on a boat for uh, you know thirty days. Um, yeah, to save five hundred dollars a unit or a thousand dollars a unit. Right. If you make it in Portugal, I assume that's for all of Europe. Yeah, uh, and then Indiana, you can ship to anywhere in the United States, and it costs you a couple hundred bucks to ship. Uh, this one, yeah, more or less two or three hundred bucks. Yeah, it's not cheap. Do you assemble them too, or you just people assemble them themselves? Uh, we have a network of last mile carriers that, that will also take care of assembly, oh. um, but it can be self assembled. But we offer white glove as well. 
How'd you come up with the idea? Well, it, I mean, it definitely starts just like everybody knows and understands the pain point, right? Yeah. Um, but the idea uh, was actually presented to me by Ryan Peterson, uh, two YC guys. So Ryan Peterson from Flexport uh, and Henrik Zilmer from AirHelp. I had just left my last company, which was called BlueSmart, and was in... Yeah, you were on the podcast at 483 episode. What yeah. was BlueSmart again? I'm trying to remember. It was a, a suitcase company that had ah, um, right. location tracking and I remember. Sensing. What happened? Didn't work out? Uh, there, well, the company ended up getting acquired by uh, TravelPro, um, but it... There was actually uh, a ban issued by airlines on um, the battery packs. On the battery packs. Why yeah. did that happen? Why did they ban the battery pack? Because I travel with Anchor battery packs, like four of them. Yeah, I've got an iPad Pro, giant, and a laptop. They all have batteries, and I have two phones. I mean, I literally have yeah five to ten pounds of batteries with me. Why does the one in my carry-on matter? Well, I think that, um, I mean, it happened also with hoverboards and it happened with the Samsung Galaxy uh, 7, right? Um, Where, I mean, more so with the hoverboards, there end up being a lot of copycats of unknown quality. And if, you know, if you're not producing batteries to uh, the right certifications, they can become hazardous. Mm. So I think the airlines were um, just making kind of a blanket statement. They had a scare. Yeah. And they said no more smart luggage with batteries in them. Yeah. But totally fine to bring other batteries with you. Yeah. And when that happens to your company, do you have the ability to then prove to the airlines that you have batteries that are just as good as the anchor one that's in my backpack? We actually uh, worked with um, the regulatory agencies that like define what's safe to bring on flights and whatnot. Uh-huh. And we got a letter of interpretation to that where we submitted all of the documentation about our battery and our product, and they actually greenlit our product. Huh. So it was the the it was a um, blanket statement issued by airlines. Mm. Um, that's kind of what happened. I had this happen to me on a flight. I had an away bag. I had the first version yeah. with the non removable battery, and I get on and uh, I was one of the last people on the flight and. The woman's like, oh, is that an away bag? And I was like, yeah, I just got it. And she's like, oh, that's not allowed on the flight. And I'm like, all right, so what do you want me to do? And she's like, well, you can take the battery out. I'm like, so I open the thing up. I'm like, it's kind of screwed in here. Unless you have a screwdriver, I don't think I can. Um, And they literally held the plane for like five minutes and put the bag underneath. So you're allowed to have the bags under the plane, just not in the cabin. Yeah. I can't understand any of this logic. Um, Me neither. <laughs> so you only raised $2 million for this company, and you got it to $30 million in revenue. This seems right. incredibly efficient. The product's got 30 40 50% margin, something reasonable. Yeah. Um, when we get back from this commercial break, is the I want to understand why you only raised $2 million. Was that a function of the fact that it's a hard business to raise money for because venture capitalists don't think it's a tech business? Or... Is it because you just knew how to do it on a nickel and didn't want to dilute your cap table when we get back on This Week in Startups? You need to find the perfect software to solve your problem at work. But how do you find it? 
well, you go to Capterra because you need to find a solution fast to whatever your pressing issue is and you really want to know what all your options are. Well, with over 1 million reviews now in 700 specific categories of software, you can right now figure out if the software you already paid for is the right software or if you need to upgrade it or if you need to add something, right? And here, my guy, Presh, at launch, is looking for new sales automation software. We need to make that sales process really efficient. Now, with Captera, he goes through all the reviews. He sets a couple of filters, like the number of employees we're going to use in the system. And he gets this nice side-by-side -side comparison of different products with the ratings for how easy they are to use. Because some software is really complicated, some is really easy. That's the value proposition, right? As well as, obviously, the value for money and the features and the functionality. Well, we picked and we were able to select the free trial option and we tested it out and we went with PipeDrive. It turns out PipeDrive solved some problems for us uh, and we, we got that because we used Captera. Captera is amazing. It's basically like Yelp but for software. And I've always wanted a Zagat or a Yelp for software, and it exists at Captera, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com slash twist. Go to Captera.com slash twist today, and this is how much it costs. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. You're going to find great tools, and they save millions of people. they got to save them billions of hours of research and mistakes. Don't make a mistake. Get software selection simplified. That's it. Software selection simplified captera.com slash twist okay let's get back to this episode all right brian chance back on the program he was on episode 483 with blue smart and smart luggage that company uh what you sold it uh it was yeah it was acquired by travel pro good sale bad sale single double triple uh single single by getting hit with the ball <laughs> kind of like one of those yeah yeah that happens but hit you still got pitch. on base hit yeah. by pitch. get hit by a pitch you got on base yeah that happens uh, so you have this other, you have this next idea for Room.com. You get two million bucks uh, from two angel investors. Well, actually, or... our seed round was led by Slow Ventures. Oh, Dave Morin. Yeah, and, exactly. And his crew, and oh, Sam okay. Wesson and Kevin Collar and Wilquist. You were able to convince venture capitals to invest in a furniture company. How did that conversation go? How did you convince them to do that? Because most people would say this is a lifestyle business, not a venture scale business. Certainly, you got that feedback. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think some- How'd you some, overcome it? Uh, well, the insight for us was that um, it's not just about noise and privacy in the office. Yeah. Uh, it's the fact that office layout designs, honestly, are just are failing people, right? Yeah. When you when you Google open floor plan, uh, the first 10 articles that you see are about how people, how much people hate uh, some people the hate offices. It. Uh, it's, 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 well, if you Google open floor plan, it's pretty universal, I, the, the vitriol. Really? Yeah. Is that uh, people would rather be in an office? People hate the distraction, the noise. Uh, people would rather have a, a little bit of privacy. Huh. Okay. So still, how? So over, like, it's over fifty percent of people who complain to their bosses about noise. Okay. And people literally call in sick because of this. No, no right? I get the, yeah. I get the use case and the need in the market. What I'm getting at is, how did you convince? investors who are venture investors who mm -hmm. normally invest in software that can scale much faster than a furniture company how did you get them to aside from the use case make an, a venture investment in what most people would say is a lifestyle business a furniture business how did you overcome that well them? part of it, it i would say it's twofold one um a lot of the story when we did our seed round was about uh, an innovative go-to-market and very similar to direct-to-consumer companies who are bringing, you know, um, 
e-commerce plays and direct consumer e-commerce plays to old industries, there was that angle and that story as well, right? So if you think about the office, there aren't any brands really that are um, known and to resonate with the millennial workforce. So there was that. Those things, air on chairs. Yeah, I mean, they sell like $10,000 chairs. Nobody's going to get really excited about it. Excited about it, right? so we felt that there was a, a gap where we could build a brand in this kind of new era of, of brand building um, and that we could, instead of uh, a company like Herman Miller, where they only sell through dealers, we could actually have a direct channel selling directly So that was the way you got over that, hey, is this just a lifestyle business? You're just selling furniture. Is, no, no, we're going to be able to do online direct-to-consumer marketing, cut out the middlemen, not have resellers, and keep all this profit for ourselves. Exactly, exactly. But the insight, the, it's actually evolved over time, right? Ah. So that I think that insight remains true. Uh, there is this opportunity to uh, have this direct-to-consumer play for businesses mm. and to build a brand in the modern workplace. Uh, but I think what we've also realized is the fact that, uh, that we're replacing construction, the alternative to our product is literally calling up your landlord, getting a building permit, hiring a general contractor and like hammer and nail to uh, to build a physical room. The fact that we're replacing that means that this is a totally new product category. Right. So in, when somebody wants to rent an office space and there's like one conference room and 30 desks and they're like, there's not enough conference rooms, we're going to pass on the space. They say, well, we can just throw in four of these rooms and you got these phone booths here or whatever, and you're exactly. all set. That's an interesting observation as well. So we want to essentially totally change the way that tenant improvements are done. So, I mean, you've you've moved offices many times, and yeah. every single time, um, I mean, we're, we're moving from a world where seven to 10-year leases were the norm to a yeah. world in which people want and demand a lot more flexibility, right? Um, yeah, I mean, people love WeWork. They don't want to sign big leases. That makes total sense. Um, but these, I wonder uh, if you've thought about the fact that there's got to be a half dozen people doing this right now. And of course, you have the giant elephant in the room, Amazon, or somebody like that, who can take a knockoff from China and sell it for $1,000. H- how do you look at making this defensible in some way because isn't all furniture kind of like a, and clothing and these kind of factory built stuff a race to the bottom? How, how do you convince the investors that it's not going to just be a race to the bottom? Well, I, I don't think it's going to be a race to the bottom because, uh, I mean, the innovation for us is not just the product, but it is the entire experience around it, right? So it is the seamless purchase experience, the delivery, the, uh, you know, we have really high MPS. That's, that's actually really hard to do if you have, if you're trying to buy something on Alibaba, right? Right. Uh, that's, that's part of the answer. Just like customer loyalty, building up that brand, right? Uh, I think the Plus other the domain name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Room.com. Um, and, and thus the partnership with Calm. You know, this right. is not just a commoditized knockoff product. This right. is something that uh, that makes an impact on health and wellness in the office. And it's it's a it's a brand and a company that stands for something. Right? Are people buying a lot of stuff off Alibaba and like getting this direct shipment of like furniture from China? 
like all not really and, and, and i think that 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 speaks to why it's not a race a race to the bottom right, right. because but they uh, do you let you trust. do that now right alibaba is yeah. here in america yeah and i started playing with it and it I was amazed. Like I, I was looking for a new desk for this like studio, and I was thinking about podiums. And I started looking for like party furniture for our events and podiums. And I was amazed at the array of knockoffs of famous furniture mm-hmm. from like really high end builders. And then you type in the name of that builder, and you find like somebody's made like a variation on it. Yeah, it's not. None of this is protectable with ip right or is furniture protectable well the design we have uh design patents that we've already filed um yeah but um you know we're we're definitely moving away from a world in which people are buying products for product's sake like people are buying a solution Right. right and so uh if you're setting up an office you're not just looking for a desk or a phone booth you're looking for a great workplace environment that's going to be attractive to the people who work there so you you know the defensibility comes from being able to understand that and being able to offer a true solution for building a great workplace environment building a place that will attract and retain talent you you have uh i saw one of my uh portfolio companies i think it was density had like one it's not yours but it was like a double wide one mm-hmm. and had a little table in it you just do the one phone booth right now yeah you're gonna do that double one that seems to me the big win it's like it's almost like uh a conference room in a box it kind of goes to your thing about building out yeah replacing spaces. construction replacing construction no absolutely that's definitely in our roadmap um and we've actually partnered with density on certain things where uh to understand how space is being utilized ah right? oh you think so, about putting a density sensor on it uh well so we did a case study where uh we placed these density sensors in an office ah. no phone booths uh and then we we dropped in six phone booths. And uh, what we wanted to, see to understand what happened with the conference rooms. is, yeah, exactly. So you start seeing the the one or two people who are taking up a conference room just for their phone call or video conferencing. Uh, they're now using the phone booth, and it it relieves the conference room congestion, right? But the fact that so I love what density does because they bring data and um, to t- to understand how offices are being used, and they might recommend. They they did this report actually, right? Where um, they found that seventy six percent of meetings are between one to four people, hmm. um, and they might recommend, "Hey, you actually need more phone booths." But there's no way to do that unless you have a very modular. Yeah, for people who don't know, density is an investment we made. I think twenty fourteen, so it's five or six years ago. They were at our launch festival back in the day, and what they do is they have a reader that goes above doors and they count the number of people coming in, but it's not done with a camera. So you don't have like creepy privacy issues. Like we have drop cams in our studio and stuff like that. And some people are like freaked out about like, Oh my God, there's cameras in the workplace. It's like, yeah, every workplace has cameras now. Like you have to like for security. Um, but they, you don't have to worry about that because they're just capturing the body. Like just the image of a body through computer vision uh, Oh, not through computer vision, but, uh, through another technology, and they can just tell you how many people are in the cafeteria, with yeah. you know high degree of well, and they can tell you how many people are in this ten person conference room, right? right. Yeah, and, how many came in, and, and whether out. it's being utilized, and that's yeah. where you think about the cost of real estate, especially in a place like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. If you can make meeting room uh, meeting rooms that much more efficient, yeah. then you're yeah. just saving tons of money. So you're selling about a thousand of these a month. 
something in that range, yeah, that's right. uh, just doing back of the envelope. Uh, what I want to understand is how you're able to do something so seemingly capital intensive, but with so little money when we get back on the swing startups. Small business owners have to wear a lot of hats. You got to do your product. You got to do hiring. You got to build a sales team, maybe PR, customer support. There's a lot on your plate. I know this. I invest in, God, I did 80 companies this year. And one of the most acute things they deal with is payroll, taxes, and HR. These things are mission critical. You cannot mess with people's paper or their paychecks. These things have to be dialed in and perfect. And if you want it to be perfect, you just use Gusto. G-U-S-T-O, Gusto. We use Gusto constantly in all of our companies, in my companies. Everybody loves it. The interface is elegant and simple. So if you use Gusto, it's going to be perfect. My uh, former chief of staff and now managing director, Ashley, uses this and makes sure everything works perfectly at my investment company launch. It's quick and easy onboarding of new employees. Boom, you get people up and running quickly and easily, and it's persistent and helpful communication, but never annoying. So it will stay on top of things. Hey, if you want to take a day off, how many days do you have, et cetera. And the customer service on chat and phone are flawless. They've really invested in that. And you want to have all that payroll and benefits in one place. Commuter benefits, we added that. Health, dental, vision, 401k, 529, that's for your kids, uh, school, HSA, all of that under one elegant and simple roof so it's the best time for you to get 2020 set up and beyond so don't wait listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll what three months free it's 25 percent of the year so get a demo and see for yourself why everybody loves gusto g-u-s-t-o dot com slash twist that's gusto.com slash twist t-w-i-s-t to get those three months free i highly endorse this company we use it i mean that's the highest endorsement and i love it okay let's get back to this amazing podcast uh welcome back brian chan is here from room.com they make uh quiet little phone boots that are beautiful <laughs> and much more affordable than building it yourself because having a carpenter come do it would be five six seven grand i'm guessing and if you're building 10 of them in an office God, they're probably going to charge 150000 and 10 from you will be 35000 So it's a pretty, pretty good deal, and you can drop them in anywhere. Uh, how are you able to get to this level of sales without raising more money? I am amazed at how capital efficient you've been. H- how do you make it so capital efficient? For us, it was really, at the very beginning, I would say focusing on the fundamentals. So... Uh, focusing on making sure that the product and the product experience is really strong so that there is strong uh, retention for customers and a strong word, word of mouth. It was also ensuring that the unit economics made sense, right? Um, so that there was enough margin to to pay for all of the acquisition costs and all of the delivery costs. Um, and then just really diligent cash flow management, right? So it doesn't sound like anything genius, but... But don't you have to inventory a ton of these now that you're selling, you know, whatever it is, a thousand a month? Like, don't you have to then order five thousand at a time or two thousand at a time? And or, yeah. but I guess you do get the money up front. How long does it take somebody to get it after they order? Uh, standard lead time right now is six to eight weeks. But we have okay, so you get to get the money first mm-hmm. and then build it and ship it. 
Well, and we offer the we do we do stock up on inventory because we're, it's not that we have ten different oh. options, right? We we try to keep the product mix relatively straightforward so that we don't have to stock up on tons of inventory. But you you have to stock up on a ton of inventory if you know, as we were talking about before, if you manufacture in China mm-hmm. and you need to order ten thousand of these, Got it. Uh, that's one reason why you'd have to stock up on inventory. The other reason would be if you don't know or can't predict your revenue. Mm. So because we sell to the B2B space, we, from a very early stage, made it a, like a big point to be able to forecast and predict our sales. Ah. Uh, so predictable revenue from kind of a, a software perspective, we applied those principles to how we think about... How do you make it predictable? Well, it's 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 about having that sales engine, right, and understanding okay. uh, how many leads are coming in through search engine marketing and your other kind of acquisition channels. What what are the conversion uh, sales conversion cycles and how many salespeople? What's the time to ramp? Do you use salespeople to try to sell these, or is it just go to the web and order it, putting your credit uh, card number? We we started off just e-commerce, right? Yeah. So basically, just go to the web. Um, but what we found was that there's an opportunity for us to basically have a slack like go to market strategy where you can have a really low barrier to entry to start. It can be an office manager in a satellite office that purchases, but then there's an opportunity for our salespeople to bring that up the procurement ladder mm-hmm. and then ultimately talk to the CFO or head of real estate or head of facilities and sell hundreds of booths, right? So. Mm-hmm. Our acquisition costs, that's how they're so low because um, – I'll give you an example because Uber is uh, one of your investments, right? Yeah, sure. Um, the Pittsburgh Advanced Technology Group bought, uh, I think, five or six phone booths to start because they had a problem with noise. Then all of a sudden, people started hearing about this product in HQ. We had a salesperson talk to the HQ team, went up to facilities and went up to, to the real estate team. And uh, and now we're selling uh, much larger quantities to Uber across their real estate portfolio. Uh, so there's this kind of bottom-up, very uh, sales and capital efficient method for growing accounts. So if you accounts. catch somebody at a big company and it costs you $500 in advertising and clicks to acquire them, and that eats into your margin for the one or two they're buying, that doesn't matter if you follow up with them and six months later they buy 20 of them or... And then a year later, they buy 200 of them. Yeah, exactly. You, what's the largest order you've gotten to date? Have you gotten anybody to buy over 100 of these at once or 50? We have two customers who have purchased about almost 2,000. So almost 1,000 each. Really? Yeah. 1,000 each? Yeah. They must have giant, giant campuses of... Well, these... Uh, so we have a very strong product market fit, I would say, with flexible office providers. Ah. Because flexible office providers are constantly building new offices, they need to get the their, reworks of the world. The reworks of the world. But you don't have them as a client. They're a terrible client. They're cheap. Uh, well, they're a tr- uh, client that's in turmoil, I guess. Well, right? now they are. But yeah. oh, did that? Were they previously buying stuff? Or uh, they? We actually just received our first order. Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah. they were they always built the phone booths in when they built out of space. Yeah, they would build phone booths. And people don't have to reserve phone booths there, I think. They just can use them. And uh, and their phone booths, I think, to be honest, I, I, I'm not I'm not sure that they're great products in terms of ventilation and soundproofing. They're pretty bad in terms of ventilation and soundproofing. They're okay. But yours are super soundproof. You can't hear anything. They're more soundproof. They're more soundproof, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, if I'm like very... standing in front of it, would I hear the conversation? If I was like right in front of it, or you would hear muffled murmurs. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then ventilation—that's the number one complaint people have about the ones we have here. Is that even? I think they have fans in them, but um, ventilation I... is incredibly important. Yeah. And uh, the way that we've set it up is to, um, there's an intake uh, in the the floor mm-hmm. because uh, cold air will sink. Uh-huh. And then the the fans actually excavate the air above, so it's kind of a natural. Um, so hot air rises and it blows that out. Yeah. As it rises, and the cool air then goes up. Exactly. Oh, all right. So like a little wind tunnel, but. You... So it'll match your ambient temperature, more or less exactly. Oh really? Yeah. And sort of thermostat in there to know to turn the fan on, or is it manual? Uh, well, there's a motion sensor, so as soon as you step in, the fan gets activated, ah. and then will you know stay on. So while, if you're in, then the fan's activated, and yeah. it's got power and all that kind of stuff, and a shelf. Yeah. Um, so uh, when we get back from this quick break, I want to know um, why you didn't choose to build a network of spaces in airports or your own sort of WeWork competitor, because I've been pitched on people who have these booths uh and there's one company in particular that pitched me and i forgot the name of it right now i think they're in new jersey uh where they let you slide a credit card you can put this in a cafe or something and you're in a cafe you can just rent it for five bucks an hour it's just kind of dope as well i'm curious why you didn't pursue that vision or if you thought of it uh when we get back on this week's show all right, you guys know LinkedIn. You're on LinkedIn all day. Me too. We love it. There's over 600 million members. What you might not know is that 62 million business decision makers visit there. That's right. And 71% of people use information from LinkedIn to make informed business decisions. All of your future customers are hanging out on LinkedIn right now. When you advertise on LinkedIn, you find both these customers and You build long-term relationships with them. Well, LinkedIn ads drive the results you care about most. And LinkedIn's powerful targeting helps you reach the right audience, right down to their job title, right down to the company name and the industry and more. Here is my marketing manager, Maureen, creating an open office hours lead gen campaign. Open office hours is how I meet the next generations of companies that I want to invest in. And here she is. She's looking for founders, co-founders. She sets a budget, 25 bucks a day. She puts the ad up. She uploads the text. And boom, she says, apply now. Here's the form. And look at that. In minutes, we have a campaign up and running. And we get founders to apply to come ask me questions at open office hours, which become episodes of this very podcast. And that's how we get our funnel going. We use LinkedIn to find great founders that we can invest in. I want to give you $100. What? Yep, that's right. I'm going to give you $100 right now in LinkedIn ad credits. And I'm going to let you launch your first campaign by going directly to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. No spaces, no dashes. LinkedIn.com, you know that, slash thisweekinstartups. If you type out thisweekinstartups, you get $100. It's that simple. Terms and conditions, of course, apply because we're giving you a hundy. But you're going to love it. LinkedIn marketing works. Go get the hundy. Let's get back to this amazing episode. All right. Brian Chan is with us from room.com. It's a Pegasus, basically. They spent $2 million. They're making $30. Uh, profitable or close? Spitting distance? Spitting distance. Yeah. Are you, given the current market turmoil, thinking you should just plow your way right into profitability? Or do you want to go back to the market with your $30 million run rate or whatever uh, and raise money and see if people buy that this isn't a lifestyle business? 
Uh, I think we'll, I mean, we have a really big vision and the market opportunity is enormous that we want to move quickly. We want, you know, we want, probably will raise uh, more money. money. Yeah. So uh, why didn't you go with the very obvious, like, oh, it's Uber or, you know, rent a space and just slide your credit card and you put these into cafes and it becomes like a pinball machine and that, you know, the cafe now has another revenue stream. Has anybody put these in their cafes? Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen our product put in pretty interesting places, including like uh, libraries and pu- in public spaces at universities. Yeah. Um, so that that definitely uh, occurred to us, and we've seen um, demand come from airports as well, right? Business yeah. lounges, things like that. Um, you know, one of the the reasons is for us to stay, we want to stay really focused. And uh, the biggest problem today is in open floor plans. Mm. Um, and the demand there is tremendous. And so maybe someday you get to that. But. Yeah, exactly. And I think to, to your point about the, the Pegasus concept and being capital efficient, yeah. um, that was, uh, that's one of the reasons we've been able to been able to be capital efficient is the focus and the fact that, you know, People are paying us, and we have margins on on the product. Yeah, you get paid in advance. You don't have to float the cost of putting a thousand of these mm-hmm. in market. What's next? Because uh, obviously, you're making a furniture company here that kind of addresses the modern workplace. It, what would, what will the next products look like? Are you going to go into desks? Are you going to go into? So I wouldn't call it furniture I, yeah. because I think that the motivating theme for us is how do you build a great workplace environment with zero construction? Okay, so. What other things would be constructed, I guess, is what you'd have to ask that you could make prefab. And for the most part, that's meeting rooms, it's dividers, it's ways to carve up space. Cafe spaces, maybe. Yep. It's ways to carve up spaces in purpose-built ways. Um, uh, and- so you see like a freestanding conference room kind of product. So if I've got like 13-foot ceilings, you could just sell me a box that becomes like a little box inside of my yeah. giant warehouse space. Exactly. And and with uh, a data layer as well, right? Because uh, like we were talking about earlier, uh, if 75, 76% of meetings are four people or less, then wow. your meeting rooms should be designed accordingly, right? So uh, we, you know, we see an opportunity to become experts in how space is being utilized and to provide those spaces for customers in the most optimal way. So you'll have your own density-like sensors in them. You already do with the motion detector, but they're not connected to a central piece of software that shows somebody what percentage of my phone boots are in use, right? Well, we actually we already have a couple of pilots that show that. Show that oh, okay. Where there's an occupancy sensor in our phone booth ah. uh, to show um, uh, utilization. utilization and whether you need more or less. Yeah. You could also... So do you have the software built to do that or that's all in beta? Uh, it, it, it's still kind of in pilot beta phase. Got it. Yeah. So they're smart by default. They have a Arduino or something in there. They have a computer in there that yeah, exactly. can relay the data. Exactly. And the motion sensor just knows there's somebody in there. Exactly. So if you know the utilization, it can tell you if somebody complains that all the phone boots are always in use, you can say, well, actually, we've only had, we have one hour a day where they're at seven. Yeah. Of seven. Exactly. And I, I think when, when people come to us and they know they have a problem with noise and they need to buy phone booths, they often ask, well, how many phone booths should we be buying? What is the right ratio of employees to phone booths? It depends on if they're salespeople or developers. It totally depends. Yeah, writers. But like... for the most part, they they don't have 
a data-driven way to answer that question. No. Right? And that's one of the things that we start seeing is like, well, there's such a lack of data when making these decisions. And uh, we're in a pos unique position to understand spatial requirements for different types of companies and different types of teams. Is the future going to be people working in a box all day like this? No, I see some not. people go into these boxes for two hours. It's it's these boxes should not be off private office replacements, right? Uh, it should be that you have an open floor plan that has different zones to accommodate different types of activities. Because sometimes you want to brainstorm, yep. sometimes you want to focus, yeah. Sometimes you want to get a phone call. Yeah, I uh, I need to come up with my own booth. I, my <laughs> own, I want to have like a J Cal booth. Maybe we could do a crossover. What, is, what are the features? Like, what features? Well, I think in my booth, I would like to have the soothing sounds of my guided meditation for founders. And so you just close oh, is the there, door. Is there a J-Cal guided meditation on calm? It's coming. It's coming. It's uh, <laughs> J-Com. And um, it just, the idea would be you go in there and it says like, you're not working hard enough to have exceptional results. <laughs> exceptional results come from exceptional effort. You need to do the work. You're currently phoning it in. Why not consider adding a new skill on your time so that you're more valuable to the company? You know, um, you Don't be afraid <laughs> of adding skills and doing things you haven't done before. Everything in this life you didn't do before you did it. Be brave. Yeah. Be confident. <laughs> and get the fuck back to work. And get, no, I'm going to do any of that. But um, get back to work. Uh, Jason, you, you wrote a blog post uh, that was advice, early career advice uh -huh. to recent graduates. Yeah. It was like yeah, five, advice I give to myself kind of situation. I remember that, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I give that blog post that you wrote to oh, really? all of our new hires. You're kidding. And that's actually... Going to the Pegasus theme, I would say that's part of the key, because huh. you want people who, as you said, in the in the in your blog post, if you if you if the company needs a blog post, you want somebody to hire somebody who's going to come to you with a solution, right. not with just more questions. Right. But if you start hiring in that way, then your team becomes kind of super powered. Yeah, right? I mean, if everybody in the team, like literally, if somebody comes to me and they're like, "How do I do something?" and I'm the first thing I say to them is like. What did Google and YouTube tell you? Yeah. Like literally, the, I I have people who like something goes wrong in their life and then they never typed into, and I, I'm talking about like across your entire life, like, I don't know, they can't figure out how to get the Tesla charger to unplug or something. And it's like, Tesla charger jammed, Tesla charger stuck. And you do that and all of a sudden you find all of them so easy. Ah. Uh, Many folks will tell you the world is not a zero-sum game with one person not having to lose at the expense of another winning. This is simply not true. As in most startups, there's a very limited number of seats, and they go to the people who work the hardest and who have the most skill. If you're in your career, you will find that life is a zero-sum game. The winners get the prime positions, and the person who comes in second place for that position is the first loser, not the second winner. I think that's the, a different blog post. From it might the be one a different one. This one you might not want to give to them. They may cry. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, click on the, he writes in his blog post. That's the blog post, I think. But there's probably some other things there. Oh, uh, no, they just dumped me to calacanis.com. Yeah, we'll find it later. It's, uh, it's a good post. Um, so you don't think you have to worry about Amazon. 
you are actually in the space planning and utilization, and space, building. space building and space utilization business, yep. not just the box. Exactly. So whereas I looked at it and was like, oh, it's a box. It's actually optimizing the office and keeping you from having to hire a construction company. And enabling flexibility. What does that mean? It means that... In this context. So if you're trying to rent a new office... Oh, for the landlords. For the landlord. Yes. Because if you're spending uh, $500,000 on tenant improvements for a 5,000 square foot office, Mm. you're locking yourself in for 10 years. Are you allowed to put up a wall that is temporary that, you know... You could take out of a box and just use poles or something to have it hit the roof and the floor. Does that exist in the world? I wonder why. Like, I mean, I know partitions exist, but they don't go fl- all the way to the ceiling. I there wonder if you com- could take they're, a corner. They're, uh, they're called demountable walls. Demountable walls. Oh, so you've done a little research on this. But they're this, not. They're me, also very expensive, uh, uh, and they're they're not that much more flexible or um, affordable than actually building it yourself. Yeah, because they would have to have some kind of spring mechanism or something to lock them in place really well. And by the time you do all that rigmarole, you got to put it yourself because you can't have a wall fall on somebody. That's the key problem. Yeah. But you could build, a, depending on the height of the ceiling, you could build a small conference room. And that's what people are doing with these phone booths is building like small conference rooms. When you have a, con- you have a conference room out by 2020, you think? Yeah, for sure. That's going to be the nuts. That's what I need here because I have two of these phone booths. What I want to get is a four-person one that we can fit four people in. When are you going to have that? Q second half of 2020 or Q2? Hopefully, hopefully earlier. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, maybe I could be the first person. What's that going to cost, you think? What is a four-person conference room type thing going to cost? $8,000, $9,000? dollars feels like the right number. Well, existing there are existing products that do it. Oh, they cost that 12. cost 24 What? Yeah, it's, it's uh, dumb. And they're made out of, you know glass and uh double pane glass and they're very expensive materials um they're unnecessarily complex they're over-engineered over-engineered and they don't necessarily solve so what what i learned at blue smart was we over-engineered the product right like there was yeah. location tracking and weight that was sensing. my favorite part was the location but the, you had did you have the thing where you pick it up with the handle yeah and did it there was weight sensing and the thing is people just wanted like a nice looking suitcase that would charge their batteries they wanted away with the battery yeah it was at the right price at the right, at price. The right price so price mattered price and price matters for, in this case as well i got one of those on amazon for like five bucks they have a scale that you hold in your hand you hook it onto your bag and you pick it up not because i ever overpack my bag but i have a friend who overpacks her bag (laughs) every single time and every time we check in we get into a debate with the person who is at the counter and then we're opening up the bag, trying to figure out what to do with the last seven pounds that it's over. You put it on. You wear the jacket. No, you... what you do is you do it before you leave the house, and you're like, this is seven pounds over, and then you get another bag. It is a life changer. And then the location thing, I actually figured out a way to solve this. You know, um, Tiles? Yep. So Tile has such a robust network now. Tile was like, there were two different companies doing this. Tile and, God, what's the other one? Some Look it up. Uh 
uh, say Nick, but uh, there were two of these tracking companies, and they've now both of them are very good actually. In the first, in like the fifth or sixth versions, the batteries last a long time; they look good. And I just throw those into every bag and backpack. So I just put a number on them. They cost like twenty bucks. I put them into every bag. So if a bag does go missing, at least we know when other people have the Tile app on their phone. All tiles will my phone will pick up your tile anonymously, send it to their server. Then when you're looking for your tile, it knows where it is if you're not there. And have you actually found stuff? We had a missing pair of keys. And our nanny had moved back home. And I was looking for these keys. And then I got a, and I put the tile alert. And then I got a tile alert from her hometown. So I I texted her. I was like, I think you have the set of keys. She's like, yeah, I don't know. And I was like, might want to check because I have the tile on it. And she, she found them. Yeah, she had them. Oh. Uh, and which is actually, it worked out pretty well because those, you know, keys and those fobs now cost, you know, whatever, 150 bucks, 100 bucks to replace. So it's actually worth finding them if you lose them. Um, and is there anything else smart you've thought about putting in these things? Like, do people want anything else in them? Speaking of over engineering the rooms. Oh, here we go. What is this? Uh, this is two days ago. What is it? A sticker. A sticker? Wait, go up. Who is this? Which company? Tile. Oh, Tile has a sticker. Wow. The Tile unveils. I can't see the headline. You're moving too fast. Go back up. Tile unveils the sticker alongside Refresh Slim Pro. and Oh, yeah. Sticker is that little tiny one. These things really work. And the, the, the Tile Slim is really, you put you put it in a wallet. Um Oh, and Apple is going to reveal Bluetooth-enabled location trackers to affix to book bags, wallets, and purses. How about AirPods, which you're supposed to be able to find, but Bluetooth is not going to get it done. You need to have this. Uh, you need to have the network. That's the thing that makes Tile special is the network. No, Do you have okay. any features you're going to add to these things? Or Do people ask for anything and they want monitors in there? Yeah, they absolutely. Want people want uh, video conferencing capabilities. Uh, they want... Um, can't they just bolt a, like a Chrome box in there? That's what you should do. Well, and it needs to be kind of like special custom fit though, right? For the right experience. Otherwise, it feels too close or the audio is wrong uh, or the, the lighting's not optimal. So you need to put in one of these... Have you seen these uh, external USB-C monitors that you can travel with? So now they make just a USB-C monitor that's mm-hmm. on a kickstand. So let's say you're traveling and you like a two-monitor setup. When you're in your hotel, you take out a second monitor. It looks like an iPad. And you just plug it into USB. And now you split your monitor into two. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's a pretty cool kind of concept. If hmm. you're really a super geek, you could have like, you know, give me that guy at Starbucks with two monitors, uh, like a CRT monitor. Um, but yeah, you need just to put one of those on the wall, right? In, in the room and... Yeah, Some so lighting. But pe- pe- exactly the lighting and the right distance, uh, so that when you're when you're uh, if you're doing a video demo, yeah, you want a, a great experience. You don't want, uh, mm. yeah, because that that can inc- increase your sales conversion. Yeah, you just have a nice, beautiful camera, beautiful lighting. Mm-hmm. You get that ring around the light. All right, listen, great job, Brian. Continued success. Uh, congratulations on building a Pegasus. I wish you continued luck for it. If you want to buy a room, go to room.com. Get a room at room.com. Yep. Uh, um, all the hotel people must have wanted that, huh? Room.com for hotels. That's who you were up against, weren't you? Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Uh, 
I can't believe that you are able to outbid them. You outbid the room people. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's Pegasus. It's well, a Pegasus, so you could. All right, great job. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>